Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. We are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP channel only. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to take that pain away from some of the new guys. I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with three employees and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We're currently about a dozen employees. We were originally founded in 1999. I believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share their mind share on how to overcome issues. I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago. I hope that you got a lot out of this podcast. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. And welcome back to the next episode of IT for Whiskey. I am your co-host, Craig Hickman, with Joe Usia, Myron Herrera, and our special guest today, my wife, Nicole Hickman. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> This is different. Not only because Nicole's here, but um, it's freaking early. <laughs> It is a little bit of a time change due to make arrangements to allow the wonderful wife on the show today. She has limited schedule. This is her day off. Yes, and I'm spending it with you. Wow. Lucky you. Uh, as, you w- as you should every day you're off. No. <laughs> <laughs> number one, number one. And we see that she's actually really wise too. Thank you. Let's count the words. Let's see which one of the two talks more because Craig talks a lot, you know. Oh, it's Craig. Well, me and the show, the show is mostly uh, <laughs> Joe. I would say Joe talks the most on the show. I guess I have the most to share. I don't know, like. That to say. <laughs> <laughs> so today, since we have a special guest today, is we're going to cover some topics that we've maybe have touched on a little bit before, but mostly we're going to ex- expound upon it. And uh, discuss um, not just about technology, but also how it affects our home and our family and our lives and our kids. And how us as business owners and parents can do a better job to pay attention and understand what's going on around us. So we brought Nicole in because, tell us, Nicole, what is it that you actually do besides tell me what to do? (laughs) Besides directing Craig, I am a pediatric nurse practitioner. I mainly do adolescent medicine, so I work mostly with teenage girls. I run a adolescent medicine clinic three days a week, and then I do general pediatrics one day a week, and I see patients for a lot of mental health issues. That seems to be about half of what I I do. So I deal with these sorts of things with mental health, how social media affects that, how things have probably changed drastically in the last 20 years. Um, I've seen that progression in my practice. And then we have three teenage daughters. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I have, I have two daughters and one boy, so I'm all ears. And I, I even have my notebook out to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little scary. I suggest the listeners do the same. <laughs> Joe has three daughters as well. Yes, I do. I do have three daughters. Two are teenagers. Uh, the third one, God help me. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Now they're they're generally speaking, you know, the girls are great. I am really blessed. They they have their, you know, individual personalities, et cetera, et cetera. It's been you know, this topic is near and dear to my heart today, which is why I'm glad we have you as a guest today, Nicole, because I'd like to know what am I doing wrong, how could I do things better, et cetera, et cetera, when it comes to, you know, managing social media expectations that they have from their peers and and especially with the pandemic with what's come down the pipe. You know, how that has drastically changed in 2020, the social expectation from their peers and, and how that kind of rolls up into the, the family setting. I'm all ears on this one. You'll hear me listen more than talk today. Oh, that'd be a first. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nicole, I'll go ahead and ask my first question. I mean, my kids are obviously they're, well, not obvious, but they're right now they're being virtual learning. We struggle with maybe one of our neighbors may be reckless in the way that they're handling this COVID thing to our belief, right? So everybody has their own, their own view on how to deal with COVID and everybody should respect each other's view, right? So for our case, we feel that, and, and I'm saying this hypothetically, you know, just we don't allow the kids to get together with the other kids because we feel that there's a lot of risk with that. My, my kids seem to be okay with it. They understand. But you can see it in their eyes that they're like, man, but the kid's right there. Can I play with them? You know, or whatnot. One, how do you see that happening across the people that you've worked with? And any suggestions, even just as a mom? Yeah, that's really good. Well, and that's a hard one to answer, I'll be honest with you, because you're right. Everyone has different views. This is the easiest one. Well, but everybody has their own views on what they're going to do as a family. And kind of my standard answer through all of this with all the questions I've gotten is, you know, you need to keep your family safe, but you also need to do what you feel is best for your family. So if you feel that you need to keep your family isolated, then that's what you need to do. You need to take into consideration what everyone else around you is doing as well. I mean, if they're out at parties and they're mixing with a huge group of people, that does put you at higher risk. If you are Wearing masks, I feel like that makes a huge difference. Even the research shows that just wearing your mask makes a big difference, but both parties need to be wearing masks. So if you are and they're not, then that's really hard to do. For the kids, I think it's even harder. I mean, we as parents can make a decision, but then we expect our kids to follow through. A piece of that is based on the age of your kids. You know, if your kids are older and they're leaving the house by themselves, you have absolutely no idea what they're doing once they do that, right? Are they wearing their mask? Who are they with? Is it a large group? Is it a small group? It's really hard to judge. And even the best of kids sometimes make not so great choices. For the younger kids, you can control it better, but that doesn't mean it's any easier because there's lots of fighting, lots of tears because they can't participate in that. Yeah, that's, that's some of what I'm seeing. I have the smaller kids. What a, I feel like has happened a lot too is that kids are getting on social media more because of the fact that they are more isolated. They're stuck at home without anything to do. And so they're getting on social media, they're getting on chats, they're texting, all sorts of things. So they're spending all this extra time on the screen 
your kids are in school, how many hours a day? You know, depending on where they go to school, they're on that screen five, six, seven, eight hours a day to do their schoolwork. And then they're spending hours on the screen at night because they're bored. There's nothing else to do. Or what I see is, for instance, with one of our kids is they have the school laptop open, but they also have their own personal machine open and they're on this, they're on dual screens. So they're doing both at the same time because the teacher can't see the second screen. Yeah, in our in our school, um, one of the cool things I think our school has done is that they get on a session in the morning, one hour, and then they go out to have these breakaways by themselves where they have to do this work. Then they get back in like an hour and a half later for like a 30-minute, I think it is, or something like that. They reduce the amount of screen time that they're on to like maybe three hours a day, which is awesome. But then we, as parents, Ruth and I, we, we keep the kids off the screens altogether during the week trying to minimize that. And instead, we, we've, we push more for them to play. I mean, we got three of them. So play together, you know, play with toys or let's, let's do something creative and things like that. And unfortunately, now with the weather changing, you know, for us, it's a little warmer than, than maybe in Indiana and stuff like that. But we used to be able to just say, go play in the backyard. Now we can't even do that because it's too cold. To Texas standards, it's too cold. But uh, <laughs> so, so it's a you know as as these months keep coming, you know we're in December now. It's it's tough. It's really tough. Joe, you had, I mean, I guess your kids are a little bit older, so that that's a little different. So I'd say this, you know, uh, we've been fortunate in the sense that in our area where we live, uh, cases have been moderate to low compared. We went into actually a lockdown today. It's the first time we've gone into an extreme lockdown. We had 170-whatever cases yesterday, and that's what caused that kind of thing. It's like, wow, relative to the population area, it's still a very low number, but they're just being proactive, I guess. So my oldest one, God bless her, she's um, pretty swift when it comes to school, and so she, she's, she's loving homeschooling because she naps in between classes. That's what she does. And she's never been this rested in her life, she said. And she's the most active of the three in the sense that she's a competitive swimmer. And she was used to swimming seven uh, times a week, you know, maybe upwards of 20, 30 hours a week kind of thing. And um, now she's done because they've locked that down as of today as well. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But um, she's, you know, at that age where... Social interaction is important. She's 16 and that's like the, the, the center of the universe is her friends, right? And, and I get that. And that's, and that's great. And it's the time that you should be doing that. But, you know, like you said, Nicole, you know, when they leave the house, what are they doing? Where are they going? And who are they interacting with? And are they keeping their masks on? So what I've done is I've actually, um, given her the option. And I said, you have two friends that, that are in your bubble. And those are your two friends that you can see. And, you know, I spoke with the other two parents and I said, look, this is the, the agreement. We did this back in March. And we said, this is the way we want it to run and blah, blah, blah. And the three of us agreed that, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll keep this bubble intact. And I know the other parents have held up their end of the bargain. So it's just the three of them that see each other and they get together once a week for a few hours at one of the houses. So that's how we've managed to control that exposure and she gets her social side of uh, in, in that whole satisfaction, if you will. And so that's how we've done that. And, you know, none of the kids have a job, so it's not like they're going to work. None of the kids have anything else aside from, my, you know, she had her swimming, 
which is also a very small group. And the rules that our, our, our region put into place as far as the swimming etiquette is concerned, you might as well just have the whole pool to yourself is, is basically what it's like. So it's been okay from that perspective. My middle one, being a 13-year-old, she's just getting into that whole social side of her life and starting to open her eyes to it. And it's been rough for her. Uh, poor kids going into, you know, graduation next year's high school and whatnot. And she's not going to be any of that stuff that, you know, the, our, my, you know, the kids take for granted going through the graduation ceremony, blah, blah, blah. None of that's going to happen for her. So I, I really feel for her. Your, your daughter went through that, right? With the graduation, which she couldn't get graduate, you know. Yeah. Well, they shut everything down in March. And so there was nothing in May. It was really terrible. Not going to lie. I, I know. I feel for you. My youngest one is a screen addict. I have a problem with her. You're right when you say about the second screen and whatnot. I actually had to call with their, her teacher because she would never turn her camera on. And so we, I realized why she was never turning on her cameras because she was playing Roblox on the other screen. I, st I struggle with my son with that. He, he, he's sneaky like that. We got to keep an eye on him. Right. So what I do, I go into my Tamaraki, set up in the firewall, blah, block Roblox during school hours. Man, was she upset when I did that the first day. She's like, well, well, it doesn't work. I'm like, wait, you should be in school. Why are you even trying to go on Roblox during school hours? So I had to use technology to help me manage some of um, the enforcement, if you will. And it's worked, but it's still a struggle. It's worked for now until they figure out their workaround. Uh, you can't. I don't know how you'd work around the firewall shutting everything down. Yeah, they can do it. We've had it once. You'd be surprised. So, for example, Maddie was locked down and her older sister had a phone and a data plan and turned on a hotspot for her so she could do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has a life in IT in the future. <laughs> well, they, my kids did that earlier this year as well. They, they, they turn on uh, hotspotting and, and then when I got a bill of that, they had, you know, used 35 gigs each. Uh, we don't have unlimited data here in Canada, and the bill was $500. Let me tell you how fast that uh, changed. So I deployed MDM, and guess what? I locked down their phones. They you put, M you put MDM on their phones? Yes, to the point that they can't even install apps without asking my permission. So it's locked down, right? And it's only because they abused it. So there's consequences to your actions. That's the way I kind of look at it, you right? Started, you started by saying... How can I be a better parent? Well, that could be a good start. Maybe loosen up a little. <laughs> right, because if you're too strict, they're going to rebel. That's the uh, that's the flip side of it. Yeah, well, the, the you're right. I get that, and you got to try managing it, right? So I give them the ability to earn the the respect and to earn uh, privileges, right? And then when they do things to earn it, then I reward them and loosen up in certain areas. Okay, that's good. So what I was going to ask you, Nicole, is how do you find being that you're involved with a lot of youth and on a day-to-day -day basis and you see what year over year, because you've been doing it for a while, so year over year, you know, how teens have trended with social interaction and social responsibility and social media, et cetera. This year, you know, has been a very different year, as we know. What are the biggest changes you've seen in the youth and what is your prediction going forward, how that's going to affect us? So biggest changes I feel like we've seen, you hit on something earlier that I wanted to point out. You said your daughter was getting more sleep. So I think that that's been a huge plus of all of this is that it's forced everybody to slow down. It has forced them to spend some more family time, which 
can be quality or it can be positive or it can be negative, right? Spending more family time together. I've seen both sides of the stone. Families become closer, they interact better, they do things together. Or we also see more an increase in things like abuse and stuff like that because they're having issues with parenting and child issues and stressors at home and things like that. So, you know, we kind of see that piece of things. We've seen a huge, from what I do, I see, I've seen a huge change in mental health in a specifically worsening of mental health. You've got kids who are more anxious. You've got kids who are more depressed. We have more kids who are more suicidal. There's a huge increase in suicide attempts in teenagers right now because of their mental health. They feel isolated because they're not able to interact with their friends and their peers. There's a lot of kind of that isolation, kind of that loneliness that we're seeing because they're not having that face-to-face interaction, which we know is better than kind of this technological interaction, right? I mean, interacting on technology is one thing. Interacting in person is very different. Those are two different sets of social skills that kids have. And we're seeing lots of more of this social interaction, right? In some ways, that's the only way you can interact with people is socially. You know, if you're not going to school, there's no activities. If you're in lockdown, then the only way you have to communicate is via technology, whether that's texting or FaceTime or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever it happens to be. We find the oldest on a FaceTime call with up to five friends. And so they're keeping in touch and they're finding ways to be able to interact with each other, which I think is really important because that interaction is positive for their mental health, typically. I know some people think that Oh, if, if you're taking, if your son or your daughter has to go to therapy, it's, that's, that's, that's a bad thing. I, I don't believe that, but. No, I am a firm believer that every teenage girl needs a therapist. And I think they should meet with them at minimum once a month. And how about at younger ages, especially through these times? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if you're starting to see some anxiety or some depression right now. I think for the most part, I feel like we see more anxiety in kids. Anxiety and depression tend to go hand in hand. One will start, it contributes to the other. I feel like we see a lot more anxiety in these kids, and then it's contributing to making them feel depressed. But kids aren't born with coping skills. They have absolutely no idea what to do when they feel anxious or they feel sad. And so those are learned behaviors. So they have to learn those. And a therapist is going to be that outside person. Some, Some adults still don't know how to deal with it. Oh, yeah, exactly. And those adults probably should have gone to therapy as a kid. So you need, you know, whenever you start seeing those anxious behaviors, kids acting out, grades dropping, changes in how things are going at home, kids are more withdrawn, spending more time alone, all of those kind of red flag things, then absolutely those kids need to go see a therapist. One of the big problems we're seeing right now is there aren't enough therapists to see these kids. So now we have thousands of anxious teenagers or anxious children, and there aren't enough people to see them to talk to them. It's amazing what they'll say to their therapist versus their parents. Yeah, I, I, I believe it. I believe it. It's a great gateway for them to talk to somebody and open up without having to worry about repercussions at home. And it helps them figure out how to talk to their parents about things. For instance, so we have three teenage daughters. Like I said, a firm believer, everybody needs, every teenager needs a therapist. So they've all seen therapists, the same one throughout the years, who is amazing. But she's helped them kind of channel that, what do we do? So when our oldest daughter was 14, Craig and I limited social media. You weren't allowed to have any, any social media whatsoever. And so she talked with her therapist and they came up with a plan on how she could present this to us. And she did. She even had a presentation. Do you remember that, Craig? Yeah, she put a a presentation together. 
She had a PowerPoint presentation that she put together on why she felt that she was responsible enough to have social media. And here's the checks and balances. Here's what you can do. You know, I'll show you things before I post. You can be friends with my friends, whatever our rules were for this. And so she was able to channel all of that and communicate it, yeah, in a positive way, rather than just being angry and yelling at us because she couldn't have social media. She presented it in a way that, hey, this is something I need. And the reason she says she needs it is because of FOMO. Do you guys know what FOMO is? Oh, yes. Not, not what you were thinking, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? Fear of missing out, right? No, I, 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 I'm familiar with the term. I just that didn't hit me up, up front. But anyways, I don't know what you were thinking. F-O-M-O. I, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but these kids, if, they, if, we structure, if we limit things too much, then it gives them anxiety because they're afraid they're missing out on something. Right? So they're getting too much of it and they're anxious or they're not getting any of it and they're anxious. It's our job to find that balance and it's not easy to do. So my mom is in town. She's staying for the holidays. I feel my mom's got too much screen time. How do I deal with an elderly that's got too much screen time? <laughs> <laughs> then, then you shut it down. You limit her devices. Yeah, good luck with that. Oh my goodness. That is a definitely interesting uh, segue into how to deal with the uh, older generation screen time. Oh, she gets sneaky. She'll, she'll grab somebody else's phone. <laughs> Do you know what the recommendations are on screen time per day? Two hours. <laughs> I'm an addict. <laughs> Craig, you and I chatted for like two hours last night. <laughs> I have great coping skills, though. Great coping skills. And is that per screen or? <laughs> it's two hours of screen time total per day. Speaking of coping skills... I don't have any of my coping medicine. <laughs> we are missing some coping medicine today uh, since it is an early show. I'm going to talk about my coffee. I'm going to talk about my coffee. I do have an Irish coffee here. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Do you put Jameson in that? Jameson 18 year. Cast strength. It's the best. Are you kidding? You did not. So my, my neighbors across the street, we were talking the other day and they brought me a bottle of... It's called Screwball. It's peanut butter whiskey. I got to get you guys a bottle if you, if you can't get it in, in your area. Peanut butter? Peanut butter whiskey. Yeah. That was my exact... Your facial expressions were my facial expressions. And you go, thanks. I always wanted this. <laughs> no, no. I was like, I was like, ah. They're like, just try it. It's actually pretty good. I love peanut butter. It's actually pretty good. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's not a, you know, I'm going to get drunk on it. It's sweet. It's sweet. Is it is it sweet or is it nutty? It's nutty. Nutty sweet. <laughs> Thinking of it now, it probably goes, goes well on the coffee. A little bit of that. Huh? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe more of a hazelnut thing. But it, it, was, it, it was good. We had it. Um, they also gave us like a, a uh, I don't know. It was like a little a cake. Uh, it's chocolate chip, you know, something, something cake. So it went well with that, with a, with a, with a dessert. Yeah, it's a dessert whiskey. That would be good with, co with, with coffee, just like your I Irish uh, Jameson. Well, considering you, you're, you're talking about being Irish and all, maybe I'm going to open this bottle up. I can't believe I'm doing this, but it is almost noon. So how's that? He's Canadian, guys. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it's cold outside. I got to keep warm. So this is called... The Whistler, it's an Irish whiskey. It's an 
Oloroso Sherry Cask Finish. I just got this bottle the other day. I've never tried it. Have you guys seen this before? You you do like Oloroso. That's one of your favorites, I think. I do. That is Sherry. What year is that? Ivan wants to know. It doesn't say, actually. You know, I just realized that. It doesn't say. Ivan, too bad. No year. <laughs> so, anybody, for all those listening, Nicole does like bourbon, but it is the Buffalo Trace Bourbon Cream. Oh, that is nice. Oh, yeah. That is her number one pick. Yeah. And and how how I've never tried that. Is that like a is that like a like a Kahlua kind of? It's kind of like Bailey's with a hint of whiskey. Yeah. Okay. So you might like the so the the recommendation from my neighbor was to do the that peanut butter whiskey with like chocolate milk. Ew. I tried it. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> it's Ooh, good. I could put it in a hot chocolate. You could Maybe. do that too. Hot chocolate peanut butter mix. Mm-mm. Yeah. Actually, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried it both ways. I put it in my uh, my coffee, and it's fantastic paired. And then I tried a, a little sip on the side, and it's really good. You know what's really nice about this is they actually have two casks that they, they mature it in, but it doesn't say – there's no age statement on the bottle. But it does say we we first fill bourbon barrels to give our blend the butterscotch sweetness and caramel tones. And then they move it to the Oloroso sherry casks, which is sourced from the heart of Spain's sherry country, and give it notes of dried fruit, spice, et cetera, et cetera. So, but, but they do not mention the type of bourbon barrels that were used. They just say bourbon. They just say bourbon barrels. They don't say if it's, it doesn't say which distillery. It just says bourbon. Yeah, it doesn't say. I'm sure if I looked it up online, you can find, uh, firstly, bourbon barrels giving it uh, I'm always curious. When do they say the agent in bourbon barrels is... Joe's, ju- Joe's just trying to get his words in. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yes. But this is, this is Irish whiskey. This isn't bourbon. I thought if there was no date on it, it was less than two years. I think Missy told us that, Craig. Yeah, we, we uh, hung out with a uh, whiskey expert a few months back on our anniversary. We, instead of going to Scotland, we ended up going to the uh, bourbon, Chateau Bourbon in uh, Louisville. It's kind of like Scotland. Chateau Bourbon was a great experience. Uh, I would like to get us all together there sometime and have Missy do her presentation. It was pretty impressive. Highly recommend. We've talked about it offline, obviously, uh, the three of us, that we, we're, we're due for a family get-together somewhere. I do like that place in uh, DR, though. It looked pretty impressive. Which one? <laughs> I don't know. Which I don't know. One of the cool ones. <laughs> I actually just got an email from a client, uh, I think this weekend, wanting help on how to go about controlling their kids' uh, tech access. Now, obviously, one is using things like Net Nanny or some sort of content filtering on their devices. And I told them, I was like, you can use all the technologies in your world, but keep in mind, if you don't stay on top of it, it's, it's useless. And then you have to stay involved with your kids' usage. In the beginning, the only computer in the house that had web access was the kitchen computer. They couldn't go off into the rooms and surf the internet. Well, and you need to teach your kids how to properly use it, right? I mean, you need to teach them net etiquette, just like you teach adults net etiquette, right? You have to teach your kids the same thing. Oh, there's 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 tons of adults that need net etiquette <laughs> education. Sure. Huh. Most people do. Well, uh, right. But, <laughs> but you need to teach it to your kids, too, because they have no idea. Just like the coping skills we talked about earlier, they have no idea what to do on the internet, what's appropriate, not appropriate. And... You have to think too, just like adults with kids, when you're online, there's no filter. There's no, there's no ramifications for if you say something bad to someone, right? It's you put it out there and then it's out there. 
So I, I do agree um, with what you're saying 100%, but we had a, an incident, uh, a, my youngest one, cyberbullying, back in April or May of this year. And the other parents denied it, and then we showed them evidence of it. We actually brought it up through the principal, the whole nine yards, because it was happening during school hours online. Now, that's when I found out about this whole Roblox thing and how they all got caught for playing. But um, my, my youngest was in tears for, for days. And, and when I finally figured out what was going on and addressed it and whatever, the other parents denied it until we showed evidence. No, not my, not my daughter. No way. And it's like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> Anyways, there are ways you can, you can try to address it and try to um, mitigate it, but you can never eliminate it for sure. I don't think cyberbullying will ever go away, um, unfortunately, because there's less ramifications to cyberbullying than there is in person, right? Well, there's no instant ramification. So if you if you do something in, t- in person to someone, there's kind of instant ramifications, right? But if you're online, there's no instant ramification. You just type it out and you hit send or submit or whatever, and then it's out there. So I think it, it, it's different. Not for our middle child. She has no social media. Right. By her choice. I, I believe that's great. I mean, I'm one that I don't think... I think the last time I posted anything was in 2017. I go in and I look at stuff, but that's it. And, th- and that was the bash Craig. No. <laughs> no. That, you're confusing me with Joe. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. You are full of you know what. I've never bashed Craig except for the intro of this call to his wife. But outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> but that was in good spirit. So, Nicole, can you tell us a little bit about, and we've touched on this subject before, how does how do, how do you deal with or how do you think that your family deals with running a business and the ramification on the family right the 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 sacrifices that that has to happen obviously we all have businesses that have now been around for a while but at the early stages especially how difficult that was and how how do we come around that that was a lot of questions it's <laughs> a lot to cover in terms of family and business early on can we start there Yes, that's perfect. I think it was hard early on because there's a lot of stress involved, right? You know, you are trying to get a business up and running. You're trying to make money to support your family. In the early stages of this, I wasn't working full time. I was working part time. So we had that piece of it. I mean, I think it was, I think it's stressful because you're working all the time. And I think that stress filters down onto your children. So so how did you guys deal with it? That's my question. I, I think we buffered the children pretty well with, with the workload. Well, we kept them busy. I remember we involved them with as much as we could activity. Idle hands causes problems. So we had them in gymnastics, dance, swim, soccer, basketball. We were doing all those things and, and trying to figure and shuffling that all around. The problem with having three children is you, you play a zone defense and you're split. You, either someone's got one or someone's got two or someone's got all three. That is just, it was a lot of work, but. I remember in the beginning, vacations were very hard. Going on vacation, especially when you're trying to run the business remote and hoping that the staff back home was able to handle the day-to-day tasks without your involvement. Well, I think family time was hard. So we dinner was kind of your family time. And I finally got to the point where I instituted the rule, no electronics at the table. And that included everyone, including Craig. He was probably the worst. I was going to say, he's probably the biggest offender. <laughs> yeah. You know, he worked a lot and so the kids needed his attention. And so that was kind of that time of 
This is family time, no electronics at the table. And every once in a while, I still have to kind of pull that out of my hat. And I'm like, okay, no electronics at the table. You know, I collect everything and I put it away. That's relative now. I mean, that's the, that's the whole, and that's, I think that was part of my, the reasoning through my question is, this is an issue that if you're starting a business right now, or at any point, this is something that you're going to deal with as a family. But as you, even as your business grows, there's going to be a lot of things. I always say that between the two businesses I run, that they, there's a lot that pulls me. So I need to focus on putting in that family time. And, and I'm one to not keep my phone around me for that because it's, it's important. If that's how I deal with it. Yeah, you just have to make the time. Joe, you want to put in your words? Everything that Nicole said, I, I couldn't agree with more. Uh, hard stop. Hey, that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> you have to agree with me, Craig. Yeah, but I, I don't. And I will say that I do because, you know, those are words of wisdom for sure. Like I put a rule into place from way back when. If I see an electronic at the table, even if you have your phone face down at the table, you've lost it for the night. Don't even bring it in the room when we're having dinner. Because I want to spend time with my kids. I want to be focused on them and, and have that, that connection with them. And that's really, because I work a lot of hours, that is really the only time I do get with them is either at dinner or when I'm taking them to activities or spending time with them on the weekend, right? So it is, it's important. Yeah, I can say that I've called both of you. And Joe was last week, actually, it happened that I called and it was dinner time and he picked up and he goes, Hey, you don't, you can call me at, you know, around this time. So everything okay? And I said, No, I just wanted to. And he's like, All right, I'm having dinner. I'll talk to you later you know, basically cut me off. And I, I appreciated that because of the, you know, I understand what that, what that means. He's, he's focusing his time to his kids and his family. And that's, that's important. Craig's done it in the past too. Oh, yeah. I just don't answer, do I? I'm like, yeah. He just doesn't answer. And then later on he texts and he's like, no, I was having dinner. Well, I, I saw it on my watch. That's why I, I, uh, I picked it up because it is unusual for you to call at that hour. So I thought, oh, something must be up. But outside of that, like you said, I, I cut it short. I, I normally don't answer unless it's unusual at that hour. It's important. It's important to, it's important to keep that, that time because something will absorb it, whether it's another meeting, another email, uh, another problem, you know, a report that you got to go through or whatever. You, you have to focus on that family time, you know, keep that balance. Somebody mentioned the car too. And that's another great time to spend with your kids one-on-one. -on -one. You know, think, if you think about it, a lot of times there you don't always have a carload of people if you're running kids around. You've got 15 minutes of quality together time. So if you make your kids put your cell phones down, they're trapped with you. They can't get away. It's a really good time too. I tell my patients, my parents this. It's a great way and a great time to have some of those hard conversations. I tell my parents if you're going to lecture about certain things like drugs and sex and that sort of stuff, it's a great time to do it because you have their undivided attention. But the more you kind of do that, then it opens the door to the kids ask questions, especially if they're in the back seat because they can't see you. And so they feel a little more comfortable because it's not face to face. So remember that. Have those conversations in the car one on one or with their friends. I do it with friends too, but. That's why I have Nicole driving around everywhere and I sit in the back seat. And then he asks me inappropriate questions. <laughs> <laughs> Should we end it with that? I mean, <laughs> well, I, I, I want to say one thing. I mean, I, I honestly, I took a lot of notes. Uh, I got like two pages of notes, believe it or not. I, I think that as, as a business owner, you struggle with, you know, the challenges of business. Cause I, I, you know, obviously, especially with the, with IT for whiskey, I'm trying to relate it to how IT business owners are dealing with this, right? Well, it's definitely a decide of the whole thing. You can't ignore it. I mean, you're, if you're running your business and you have a family, the two coincide with each other. If the family is running well, the business runs well. 
that was going to be my point is that the situation at home has to be in good shape for you to be able to be successful in business. Don't pound yourself into the business thinking that's going to fix your home problem. It's the other way around, especially in these difficult times, which, you know, hopefully we're, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel soon. So it, it's, it's been difficult with, with COVID, with the kids at home, with me working from home. I mean, I've, I've said this before. I mean, last year I've, I've, I was in about a hundred flights across the country. Being at home was definitely a challenge for me. And it was a challenge for my, for my kids to even have me here so, so much good and bad. As a business owner, you gotta, you gotta have a great balance with the family. That's, that's my biggest takeaway. And just knowing what your kids are doing, I feel like that's really, really important. Kids aren't going to tell you if they're being bullied sometimes online. And so just being aware of what's going on in your kids' social media accounts and on their phones um, with their text messages and their text groups is really, really important. That's, you know, just sometimes checking those and having those open lines of communications with your kids is huge in helping know when something bad is going on and being able to stop it in the beginning versus it spinning out of control. All right. Craig, want to close off? I love kids. Kids are great. They're the best investment in the world. <laughs> great return. 10, 10x. <laughs> 10 times return. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, I think we wrap it up with that. Nicole, thank you very much. This was pretty cool. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Kevin, take it away. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. No Chuck E. Cheese? What do you mean we can't go? <laughs> Yo. Yeah, okay. <laughs>